Hello, welcome to IntelliCast. Thanks for listening. I'm sitting in the same room as producer Brian. Hey, Brian. Hey, how We're are like you? four feet from each other. I know. It's like the second time in the last six months. It's, it's so much better. We've been back in the office for a little while this whole month, but it feels like longer than a month, doesn't it? It does, yeah. I can't believe, as we're recording this, July starts tomorrow. Yeah, we're halfway done of the year. Yeah. Doesn't 20, feel like it. 2020 was like four years. This year feels weird, but longer than six months. It feels as it feels long and short yes. at the same time. Yes. Days are long. Months are short. I think that's a good description. <laughs> I think that is a good description. The work week all blends together. Yeah. And then you look up and you're like, oh, my kids are done with soccer already. I thought yeah. they just started. Yeah. Hey, this episode brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. You can find us. You can email us if you want. You have any questions, comments, guests, topic ideas, um, song choice. You can email us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. You can follow us on Twitter, EMI underscore research or IntelliCast1. And you can leave us a voicemail or text. We don't get enough of those. So please send us something. 513-401-5463. Go like and share us on whatever you're listening to this to. Um, and we appreciate you listening as always. Today we have a lot of news to catch up on, right? We do. And before you get into that, when you yeah. mention our text line, someone did text us to let us know that our Stitcher feed was not working. So oh. I, that is that has been fixed. Oh. And I appreciate the person who sent us the text to let us know that. Yeah, we're on a new platform, right? Correct. We have, have we even talked about that? We, we made one announcement of it, yeah. but yes, we are part of C-Suite Radio now. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah. We had the C-Suite Radio guy on a couple months ago. and um, Seven he, months ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, last week, seven months ago, somewhere around there. And we're on with a ton of other like business-related podcasts. I don't know if we're the – are we the odd – are we kind of like the black sheep of the – Maybe. 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 There's a couple what, of there these. are not many market research ones on there because yeah. I looked. Yeah, Little There's Bird a, Marketing. Yep. Us and maybe one more. Yeah. But I think that's about it. Yeah. But hopefully, hey, if you're listening now and you didn't listen before and you're listening because of that uh, relationship we built, thank you for listening. Um, sometimes we talk about randomness for a while before we get to some news. And, you know, that's always <laughs> facts are optional anyway, right? Yep. Well, getting into random stuff, you told a story. In the office yesterday. Yeah. Um, for new listeners, you are part of your township's trustees. Yeah, I have a, I have a second job. <laughs> so um, I'll set this up. Yeah. For those not up to date on Cincinnati local government politics. <laughs> Which I'm sure. No, but <laughs> if you're. If you are a Cincinnati local politician and have not been arrested by the FBI, you're in the minority right now. So what I'm talking about is there yeah. was a group that is called the Group of Five that were meeting outside the rules. Normally you have to meet and let the public know you're meeting. Yeah. Well, they had text messages going and they were meeting and disparaging their colleagues and such. Yes. Well, you had a similar incident apparently. Well, sort of, yes. So, yeah, thank you for the background. I am – a trustee in, in Ohio, we have like, I don't know, hundreds of townships, I think. There's small government entities that aren't cities or villages or whatever. They're small. There's like 4,000 residents. And I am a trustee, which means I'm kind of like city council. There's three of us. And um, so therefore, according to Sunshine Laws, two of us can't meet at the same time to discuss business. Because that would be a majority. And if two people are meeting to discuss business... 
um, which is the majority, the public has to be invited, right? Right. And that's how the Gang of Five, because it's five out of nine, um, it was four texting each other, no problem. But the fifth one is what made it against the law. And some of them are in big trouble for that. Um, well, I, a couple of weeks ago, I, I went to a coffee shop in my neighborhood. So I'm at the coffee shop. I see another trustee, Susan. And she's with um, a family friend, a couple other friends. I stop by, sit down, have a coffee with her for 15 minutes. We're not discussing township politics. We're just discussing life, right? Yep. Well, someone in the neighborhood saw us there and filed a Freedom of Information Act notice of some sort demanding to be notified of all public meetings. So I am in this... <laughs> I'm not sure if I have to lawyer up. We have an attorney. Um, I have to give all my emails and meetings. This was this was an impromptu meeting over coffee to discuss... We were discussing the school system that her friends were going to. Randomness. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm involved in this a little bit. Since I have a question on this. Weren't you in public? Because you were in a public coffee shop? So... Yeah. Technically, you were in public. No, the rules are very specific. You have okay. to give public adequate notice, which is we we determine it's twenty four hours of public notice. Okay. So if we did have a meeting in the coffee shop, we could do that. We would just have to put it on our website and announce it twenty four hours in advance that Brian and Susan are going to have coffee. Did you even know you were going to this coffee shop twenty four minutes before you showed up? No. Okay. Didn't know five minutes before. So you know, Cincinnati politics is weird, and I have to run for election this year. So I'm running for two elections this year. Number one, the trustee for my township. Number two, I'm running. I'll probably have to run. That's a whole other topic we should have in the future. Yeah. I'm not sure if we're going to have elections for the Insights Association because there's lots of changes going on. But if I if I do run, it would be as probably as a treasurer or a board member of the Insights Association for our chapter. All right. Man, good segue. That is. Let's jump into some news now. Yeah. Now that... I joked that you were being investigated by the FBI yesterday. Yeah, no, no, no investigation as of yet. As of yet. So we'll keep everyone apprised when that does occur. Yes, of course. First up is, we're going to call this the Survey Monkey Momentum Hunk. Uh, with that, starting off, Survey Monkey was, re- is, was relaunched as an experience management company called Momentum. Um, as part of this, they are still retaining the SurveyMonkey name for its flagship survey product. But with this, Momentum is now going to be kind of the brand that is the umbrella, kind of like Alphabet is for Google. All right. Well, before we start, I'm going to announce on the podcast that we are now the official committee that approves marketing research branding changes. By the way... You reluctantly. (laughs) Yes. One of these two committee members is a reluctant member. We'll have to vote at some point. I don't know how we we divide a 1-1 vote, (laughs) but I'm just going to announce on the podcast, maybe that'll be the tiebreaker, that we are the official committee that approves marketing research brand name changes. And I will just say that I agree with this one. I think that they did need a parent brand. And so Momentum is a good brand name. It has all the vowels it needs. It is spelled as you would think Momentum should be spelled. So check mark. Great job by Momentum and SurveyMonkey. And I like it when companies keep their products with their brand name. SurveyMonkey is a great brand name, right? It's huge. It's got a ton of brand recognition. Absolutely. And so the, keeping it is a great business move. So I will just say I 
as the co-founder of this committee, approve of this brand name change and good for Survey Monkey, Monkey making good business decision. And because you want to keep that equity, but like earlier we were talking, we were prepping for the news, which by the way, we did show prep for five minutes. I know. I was like, who's this? Who's this? Who's this? You can't keep up with it. But I know who Survey Monkey is. Yep. Uh, in all, in more Survey Monkey momentum news, um, just a week after they announced that brand that brand change. Uh, they promoted their senior vice president of finance, Justin Colum, to their C- as their new CFO. Yep. And in also they launched a new AI-based audience targeting solution to help improve audience targeting with advanced analysis. So they had a lot of news in like a ten-day period. Yes. the The AI solutions will be interesting to see how this plays out and see what adoption and how researchers kind of react to this. Um, I found it interesting. Built on 40 existing momentum offerings, new solutions include a usage and attitudes tool to help users understand preferences, habits, and purchase behavior of target audience. There's a lot of stuff here that we'll see how this plays out. But um, I love the innovation from them. So good job all around. I give a thumbs up to SurveyMonkey for all of this stuff. And yeah. Momentum. Yeah, they're doing a great job. Next up, moving out of our SurveyMonkey hunk, Morning Consult has raised $60 million in Series B funding, which values the company at just over a billion dollars, giving it unicorn valuation status. I mean, that's just amazing to me. Unicorn status for Morning Consult. I mean, they're known for all those brand tracking studies that they do, just huge studies that they do, and they've become kind of a force. Nice to have another unicorn. It's nice to see investors valuing what we do and what they do. Um, I mean, billion-dollar valuation is nothing to sneeze at, right? And so um, it looks like they're going to expand to the EMEA, so, um, Europe, and the APAC region. So good for them. That's awesome. Well, you mentioned that you know them for the brand tracking stuff. I yeah. think I know them more from the political, political polling stuff, stuff they yeah. were doing last year. Yep. You <clears> always <throat> saw their name come up on a bunch of different polls, whether it was local, state, or even yep. on the national level. So. Yep, we've helped them out on some other polling. It's challenging. What I mean, what they do is tough, man. They get tons of interviews every single day. It's really hard. So um, really agile research. Good job. Our next story, Toluna has launched what it's called, quote, the industry's first and only enterprise insights subscription. It is giving clients limitless access to its Toluna Start platform, expert personnel, and insights from its global panel community. Yep. Um, Interesting news here. Um, They talk about the launch of an end-to-end solution called Toluna Start, which I like how they kind of, you know, rebranded a little bit. Mm -hmm. The Toluna name name has been around forever, so good job for this as the official – um, determiners of a good brand name and marketing research um, now forms its core of its business and a growth funding win in the autumn and it transforms the way brands purchase and use research so more innovation coming from people in the industry is always good so a subscription model we'll see how that goes um, they're a pretty big global panel and so we'll see more of what happens here isn't this something similar to what we talked about a few weeks ago our insights as a service yeah a little bit yeah so yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see how people do utilize these enterprise subscription models. And, you know, they talk about giving, you mentioned it, giving clients limitless access to its platform. 
expert personnel and insights from its global panel community. Let's, we'll see how that plays out. That's a little bit vague. I'm sure that the big users of Toluna will leverage that. Um, I know a couple of their big clients, and so we'll see how that kind of transforms of how we think about relationships and models and pricing and subscriptions and things. It's a little bit different. Right. Yeah, I think we're pro it's probably going to be tweaked over time, too. Yeah, cause... definitely. Um, our next story, the NOR. The NORC, the Nonpartisan Research Institute at the University of Chicago, and the AARP have launched a new panel called Foresight 50+, to provide insights from older adults living in the U.S. This new panel includes hard-to-reach older adults, those including in the rural areas and lower-income households, Spanish speakers, and people with lower levels of formal education. It is probability-based and will draw from NORC's AmeriSpeak multi-client household panel. What do you think? This is fantastic. I love, I mean, NORC um, has a huge brand name from an academic institution in marketing research. They have a lot of thought leaders from the academic side. You hear about them a lot in polling and public opinion stuff. Yep. So it's awesome to see them partnering with AARP, which obviously has a huge brand name. And all the, the last part you mentioned about the panel, including hard-to-reach older adults, rural areas, lower income, Spanish speakers, um, lower-level education, and probability-based, that is a home run. That is exactly what we need in the industry. So kudos to how, how, whoever thought of that relationship and them working together is awesome because we, you know, we, I talked about it today in a webinar um, that I was giving on a panel. And we need to grow the respondent base of our industry. There's a thing called non-response bias, um, which we don't talk about a lot in research, but non-response bias is a bias that occurs when the people that take the surveys are different than the people that don't take the surveys. So you're making a decision on a subset of people. And non-response bias certainly exists. And deals like this and innovations like this in our industry certainly reduces it. This partnership's awesome. Um, so I could talk longer about that, but I yeah. think this is great. Good news from the NORC and ARP. Hopefully we can work with them. Um, they're going to be doing, it looks like a monthly survey to start off with. And who knows if they'll ac give us access to kind of buy their sample or they'll just do secondary data or how it kind of transforms itself. But regardless, this is awesome. Yeah, I can see this fitting into AARP's model and just from all of the different aspects they are providing, particularly it looks like they increased a lot of their digital offerings over the last 18 months yeah. where you had a lot of like, if you've seen the commercials, like virtual book clubs and exercise groups, stuff that they may have done in person, but because of the pandemic, yeah. they moved it online. <laughs> This seems they look. I think they looked at it and said, "Hey, we have an opportunity. We have this giant database. We can probably do something with." Yeah, yeah, good for good for everybody. This is awesome. Keeping along those lines, Sermo, an online physician community, has acquired Australian research panel provider Minter in a move that will add an additional fifty thousand Asia Pacific-based healthcare personnel to Sermo's panel of over one point three million physicians. Yeah, great move from Sermo. This is what Sermo does. They're kind of an aggregator of a bunch of small um, panels in the healthcare medical field. And I, I hadn't heard of Mentor. And so getting 50,000 more healthcare professionals 
access to taking surveys and things like that is always good news. So more access. And particularly in that region, because we seem to see a lot more work in that area yep. as well. Whether you're talking Australia, Japan, China, yep. all the countries I did not mention. Yes. So. <laughs> yes. So good for everybody. Yeah. Um, keeping along the panel news, Disco, the Consumer Insights platform, has acquired cross-device measurement specialist Verto Analytics. Yeah, this one I don't know a lot of details about. And maybe you know what we should do? We Get should, someone on the podcast. We yeah. should have Armin or someone from Disco on. Um, I, it's no surprise. I'm a huge fan of Disco and um, big fan of that company and the people that work there. They're awesome. And I'm sure that – I mean I know of Verto Analytics a little bit about the device measurement. And that is certainly something that we – I mean that's what we're moving as an industry is combining different forms of data, Right. So it's not just survey data. Combine that with what you're doing on your on your devices. Um, what websites are you going to? What devices? What apps do you have? What are you buying? Can, if we can append that to behavioral data to the stated data from the survey, that's where you start getting insights. You start leveraging lots of different data. And so this is a great move from Disco and Verto. Um, Disco Verto. It's interesting. Um, but I, I look for great things to come out of this. So I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball here. It's yeah. not on our rundown, but it's you kind of brought this up of appending data to survey data. Yeah. Um, don't you feel this is a that is kind of a bit at odds with kind of the other big push that's going on right now in terms of data privacy, where you have yeah. GDPR, the whole bunch individual state ones here in the U.S. There's yep. one in Canada, Brazil, yep. so on and so forth, where you're where consumers are kind of taking back the control of their data. Yep. And this is kind of yep. going against the, I want to append as much data as possible to the survey data because, okay, yeah, I may have answered a survey about whether I like M&Ms or not and what yeah. new flavor they should do, but do I want you to know that yeah. I spend two hours a day right. on Twitter? Probably not. Yeah. That, what point, what does that have to do with one or the other? Yep. Good question. Um, I think that's a challenge for our industry, and I I agree with both those things, that we should be combining more third-party data to provide insights to our clients and the privacy part. And so I think this will play out is that we have to be – what we have to do as an industry is make people aware of how we're using their personal data. That's the main thing. We can't bury it in this – like when you get an iPhone update. Legalese. Yeah, where there's – you know, you just say, I accept these terms and conditions. I'm not spending two hours reading right. it. Yeah. You just, you know, with some, you just do it, right? And you accept it. We have to be really careful in this industry that people know what we're doing. We don't need another situation like we had a few years ago um, with an election. And um, you need to be very apparent and transparent with Here's the data we're going to use, and here's what we're going to use it for. Here's what you're agreeing to. And if we have to pay the people to do it, that's what we have to do. We will pay you X amount for your credit card purchases. We will pay you X amount for your what apps you have. We'll pay you X amount for your healthcare history. I mean, sky is the limit of what we can append to data. Um, so we need, we need the data to generate better, more actionable insights for decision-making for our brands. But also, we have to fairly compensate respondents to agree to do that. What we can't do is bury it in terms and conditions and pay them 15 cents 
for a survey and append every piece of data that they have on their phone, that is not right um, well, at all. I don't even think that when you mention the phone that, you know, we have Apple coming out with new data privacy conditions on yeah. what apps can track and things like that. There's going to be device manufacturers that are not going to allow that. Yep. But that also gets into, are you, would it in the, some sort of near future state is someone opting in? Okay. I'll share my healthcare. I'm on, a, I'm on a panel. Uh, yeah. I'll share my healthcare. Is it at a one-time opt-in or right. is it at a survey by survey yep. type level? Yep. Cause I almost imagine it at that. And that takes into more account. Yep. Now you're, we are always trying to get into going shorter surveys and yeah. things like that because we know user experience. A lot more people are taking them on the phone. Our attention spans, let's be honest, are not great. Yeah. Um, if I have to spend, even at the best survey, if it's a five-minute survey and then I have to go, I have to answer three or four or even ten questions of, are you, do you want to append the, give us access to X, Y, Z data? Oh, I want to give you my credit card data, your my Kroger card data, my credit, anything above. Do I have to spend just amount of time, just as long taking the survey, answering those questions, or is it a full opt-in all at once? Yep. How we figure that out is going to be a challenge because, I mean, you've probably, I mean, sometimes I'm trying to connect like an app to my credit card information. So the next time I order like a pizza, it's easy to do, right? Yep. And, I feel like it is a little overwhelming at times. Like, didn't I just put this in? Why didn't you remember my credit card? Why do I have to do this? I just want to order a pizza and it happened in 15 seconds, right? If that happens every survey, every time someone takes a survey, they have to reconnect to their credit card or banking information or whatever information they're sharing. That's going to be a problem. And I'm hoping that people are thinking that through. See, I have, I have feelings both ways. I agree with that, but I'm also limited on what i've connected like yeah. i'll type in my credit card and maybe oh. i'm more the suspicious time yeah of you hear all of the hacks and things like that oh your credit data's been yep. released all of that so i'm less on that so i would want i would almost want yeah that individual level and i know my rant two minutes ago yeah. may have seemed otherwise but yeah. going back to my m&m example Oh, we want your healthcare information. Well, I don't think you need that to get my opinions on yeah. if you need to do a Nutella M M&M and M or not. Yep. And I hope they do that. I know they have hazelnut; those are really good. So, yeah. but you you see my point. Yeah. But then other people, what is it? Just a checkbox? Okay, it's it's linked at your panel level, and okay, yes, it's turned on and off. But then you're getting into a whole bunch of other issues. Yep. Well, I think this will also help differentiate panels from each other um, which we preach all day long how panels are different the good ones that are built a better relationship with their members the good ones that have developed a level of trust with personal data of their members will win right yep the fly-by-night ones that do not we hope they don't deteriorate the equity of our industry we hope the ones like disco who are doing it right um help lift up our industry and get people to trust more and um, allow more information if possible. Um, we, we probably should, this is a separate topic. This is a good topic. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, I it was a curveball for you. Yeah. Well, no, but to kind of bring it back home, um, 
good job by the Jesco people. <laughs> um, they've, I mean, I'm sure the, they've been thinking about this for a long time. All the stuff we've talked about for the last five minutes, they probably think about all day long, every day. They have a whole team of people. And not just them. I'm sure yes. lots of other ones <laughs> lots are, Lots of people, yeah. So, cool. Um, next story. Sprinkler, the CX management specialist, is headed out to an IPO. Um, this is just nine months after a new funding round they held that gave it a valuation of $2.7 billion. With the IPO, um, it is estimated that their valuation could nearly double. So we're now we're looking at nearly $6 billion. Oh my goodness. Um, first of all, don't like the name. But I, I know, be, it's I, missing the E, I know. I gotta be careful though, because if they're gonna be valued at $6 billion, I mean, that's... We're getting close to Qualtrics <laughs> numbers here. Yeah, that's just huge, and I just don't understand. You know, we've joked around. We should I, we should have somebody back on to help me understand the valuation of certain companies. Um, like this is a CX company, which we talked about before. We think right. CX should be in the overall umbrella of whatever you want to call it, marketing research or insights or whatever. Yep, CX should be part of that. But CX has done, I mean, what they've done, they've done an incredible job at branding themselves. They've got a better marketing team and PR yeah. people. That, yeah. It's a cool name, right? CX. And yep. we're, you know, we're, UX, CX, yeah. Yeah. Us, you know, Patrick Comer coined, coined ResTech. You know, good good job. We've talked about this as well. Awesome job going out there and saying, you know, we need a freaking rebrand too, man. All these companies are getting billion, three billion, six billion. We need a rebrand as ResTech. Um doesn't flow quite off the tongue like CX does or other no. things, but he chose it because people voted on it. I was there and voted live um, a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and so I don't know. Maybe it's a branding thing. I don't get it. I, I expect that the investors are not just looking. Oh, they're CX. Oh, here's six billion, right? Um, oh, you're not CX. You're ResTech. Oh, here's here's six million. It's it's got to go a little deeper than that with what they're providing, the value they're providing, um, but. It just doesn't make sense to me, but you know, we should definitely have somebody on. I'm yeah, we need serious. to. Fi- if you're listening and you're involved in investment banking and such yeah. and valuations, please let us know. Yeah, I know that the um, there was another podcast that um, Data Gurus, which yep. Seema, who's a friend of the podcast, has she's involved in that world, and we know Patrick is involved in that world. There's usually an investors panel. I think at Kristen Samplecon. Luck as well as oh, absolutely, yep. Kristen Luck. She's been on the podcast. Um, so there's people out there that we'd love to have on because I think most people don't understand it. Maybe maybe I'm the ignorant one, but I have a feeling a lot of people just don't understand how they value these companies. And like I've, I'd never heard of Sprinkler till we talked about the podcast not that long ago, like right. last week or a year and a half ago. Who knows? I think when they had when they had their funding round was the last time I had we had them in the news cycle yeah. here. Yeah. So well, I mean, good for them, obviously. That that's a lot of money to spend and and. Um, yeah. Yeah. Our next story comes from friends of the podcast and friends here of EMI of Research Defender, where Minefield Online has integrated several of Research Defender's data quality tools. Yep. So, um, you know, we, we've, we've seen this happen in the industry that we've had a lot of press releases around who's choosing what. And people are being a little louder about it. I love it. I love this arms race that we're seeing in the industry. Yep. And obviously, we've, it's no secret that we have a research defender uh, relationship. Huge fans of Ignesh and Dan and that whole team. And 
Um, we talked to them this week about lots of other things. They're just thought leaders in the industry around data quality and just awesome partners. And so this is another great deal for the Research Defender team. Um, and this is one of those things that the more people that kind of sign on with Research Defender, um, the better as other members can utilize that data as well. And so that's that's good. It should be good for everybody. Yeah, it has a cumulative effect. The more data it gets, the better it's for all of us. Yep. So Vignesh is a huge fan of the podcast. I'm sure he's listening to this and, and Dan as well. And so I'm really proud of them for you know improving the industry. I think we should take bets on how quickly Vignesh contacts us. We're not going to put it on here, though, because that yeah. might skew it. Yeah. Off air, you and I are going to take bets. Yeah, we're okay. going to see who gets closest. All right. Sounds good. Um, next story, Alita, formerly Vision Critical, has secured a $10 million debt facility, which it plans to use for a variety of things in a new aggressive growth strategy, including a major update to its Spark Digital Insights platform, a partnership with Vox Popme, and the launch of a new video survey tool. So much to unpack here. First of all, not a big fan of the name Alita um, or we, Spark. We covered the, that when they did their name change. Yeah. Vision Critical was a great name. And if you have to do a press release with an old brand name or something, probably. I put it on there because I assume <laughs> when I said Alita, you wouldn't know what that yeah, was. Yeah, this is the one we talked about earlier. I'm like, yep. who's Alita again? There's just been so much. However, having said that, it's a great company. They've, they've been around for a long time, done a lot of really cool stuff, very smart. Um, and so this sounds like a good deal. Vox Popme, I'm a big fan of them. They do really cool stuff with their video survey stuff and all the innovation that they're providing to the industry. And so uh, this, is, this is good, other than the name. <laughs> so when I read this yeah. and it said $10 million, and if it just ended at saying a major upgrade to Spark, yeah. I would have thought, okay, yeah. That's probably money well spent, but yeah. they are squeezing out as much as they can from that money because you add in the partnership with Vox Popme right. as well as they're launching a new tool. And then it said a variety of other things that they're planning to do. Right. They're trying to stretch that dollar yeah. like someone with a load of coupons at a grocery store. Is it? Is it a Canadian? Is this Canadian dollars? I don't think so. <laughs> um I completely agree. They probably hired some people with that money too. So, I mean, awesome for them. Also, they describe themselves from the press release as a CXM, an insights platform provider. I mean, that's how you get money maybe. Maybe. So, yeah, good job for Alita. Yeah. Finally, in our last story, and this is more of a shout out to friend of the podcast, Andrew McKinney. And we just want to wish him congratulations on his new role as the Director of Marketing and Strategic Accounts at the Insights Association. Yeah, I'm really happy for Andrew. Um, I'm happy um, as well um, for Lisa. I don't know Lisa, but Andrew I've known. He's been on the podcast. He's a really passionate guy. He's been around for a long time. Most people probably know Andrew McKinney. He's really active in social media. He's really positive. Yep. Um and he's just an awesome guy. And so I'm really happy for him. This seems like a perfect role for him. Um, and, you know, Melanie had an awesome quote in here about the hires and the, and you can find in the, in the link. Um, but yeah, just happy for Andrew. Yeah. Same here. He'll be great at it. That runs out our news for this week. Man, about time. That was so much news. <laughs> that tangents, curveballs. <laughs> yeah. I uh, didn't think I'd be talking about the Freedom of Information Act in this podcast, but okay. Um, 
We just want to promote a couple things really quick. Is yeah. That cool? um, global sampling with Renee. Yes. Man, let's talk about that. So, yeah, we have relaunched Global Sampling. Um, some people might be familiar when it was hosted by Rory Deneen. Who? If Rory hears this, she's going com- to drive down from New I York. I love Rory. Rory did a lot for the company, and she's moved on to bigger and better things. And, yep. But, yeah, she had podcasts here. Yep. She had a segment on a different podcast. She did Global Sampling with Rory, and I'm really glad we brought it back because um, that's something we should be doing. You know, we see surveys from around the world, and we know best practices that we learn from people in a lot of those countries and themes and, th- and stuff. So we brought it back. Renee's going to be awesome. She speaks, I don't know, like five or six languages. Yep. She's, she's, newer... she's fluent in Spanish. I know one of them, she did the intro in Spanish, and oh. I understood none of it. Okay. So. She, um, yeah, she, she knows a lot about different languages. and knows a lot about culture. Yep. That's just how she thinks. Is, and that's kind of how you have to do it when you think about global sampling is understanding the culture, not just the language, but the culture. And so she's really passionate about that. She's newer to sampling, um, but understands the global aspects and challenges better than anyone here. So that's awesome that that's back. Yep. You can find that on what? On our new YouTube page. So oh. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Take Mo- that, Rory. Moving on up. <laughs> Um, I think we did this Rory's on like Facebook or something sometimes or I don't even remember. Yeah, it, it, we started as Facebook Live. It was a live video yeah. every like Thursday afternoon. Yeah. I did text Rory about this and she messes the map and she said to tell Emma that she said hi to Mrs. Her, but she was the originator of the global sampling, so yep. good for her. Um, next, we uh, we just did the um, Insights Association webinar a couple weeks ago, so if you haven't seen that around data quality, um, that was an awesome panel. Lisa Wadding Brown, Melanie Courtright, and there are others on it as well. So you can go find that. And we just today did the Crick webinar, um, which was the role of insights in knowledge management, data quality, and data diversity. Um, that was awesome. It was Crispin Beal of MTAB, and he is just such an amazing thought leader in the UK. Andrew Grenville, uh, who's just an amazing speaker, and I get motivated, motivated every time. Um, he's an author as well, but he is at Maru. And there was a fun little panel discussion through CRIC, which is the Canadian Research, Research Insights, Insights Council. Council. Yes. Which we're members of. Yes. Yeah, we are now a part of that. So um, I think this was a good webinar and um, about the kind of the future of insights and um, really cool discussion around the future. First one I've had about that topic. And so I would recommend hopefully that the, it'll be out by the time you listen to this. Yep, we'll put a link to it as well. All right, cool. That's all the announcements. Yep. All right. Well, have a fourth. Have a great Fourth of July, everybody, and for our Canadian listeners, have Canada. When's When's Canada Day? July first. July first. That's tomorrow. That's tomorrow. Oh, Happy Canada Day! All right, thanks, everybody. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.